Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. We're back with another episode of the Impact Investing Podcast. Tom, this week, uh, I've looked on Twitter to see what Gary Lineker wants us to talk about. What does it say? Well, he's calmed down a lot since, since his last tweet. Don't blame Gary. I'm not blaming Gary, we're not getting into that. Um, we steer away from Prince Harry and Gary Lineker, two topics we, we won't cover. Um, but this week we're going to talk about the budget, um, which is coming up on Wednesday the 15th. So tomorrow, we're recording this on Tuesday, so we've got our crystal ball out, looking ahead to what Jeremy Hunt might say. And uh, of course, we now count ourselves among the many global banking experts, and we're going to talk about Silicon Valley Bank, um, jumping on the trends. Jumping on the trends, of course. But before that, Tom, as always, over to you for I'll, Admin Corner. I'll do a little bit of admin, then I'll pass back to you for some more admin. Um, so last week you mentioned the British Banking Awards. We're up for a couple of um, awards. Um, and you've got to the 20th of March to vote for us. Um, we'll post the link again. We'll post the link again. Keep I've voting. forgotten the details, but I mean... If you voted, it, vote again. Vote again. Um, Mum, make it a little bit less obvious. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, remove the surname, it's a giveaway. Um, the other thing I'll mention uh, before coming back to you for, um, for more admin is uh, two things. One is chart news, obviously. Portugal is the new Uganda for us. <laughs> We're in Portugal every week. <laughs> um, so thank you. Obrigado, obrigada. Um, and Switzerland, I don't think we've been in Switzerland before. Uh, Swiss physically, friends. yes. Well, yeah. Pod- podcast charts. Podwise, no. no. So thank you very much. Finally, um, We've had questions coming in from all over the place. Thank you very much. And um, we'll cover them in future apps. Um, so please contact us at podcast at circa5000.com. Like and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and watch the videos on YouTube. And we do respond to the emails. We personally. do. Matt will eventually. I, when I get round to it, I do <laughs> respond to the emails. Yeah, we've read them and we've discussed them, but we've not responded. <laughs> uh, and one more thing that we wanted to mention is that we are running a pensions related competition so your chance to win twenty thousand eight hundred pound in real uh british bitcoin. Sterling, not, bit, <laughs> not bitcoin circa coin no it's this real um pound sterling the greatest um, currency in the world so you have until the 31st of may to open a circa five thousand pension and transfer an old pension into your new circa five thousand account if you do those two things before the 31st of May, you will be entered into a prize draw. Mm-hmm. The winner of the prize draw will win the £20,800. Terms and conditions apply, Tom, <laughs> so don't get carried away. Um, but we'll post the link to the terms and conditions in the show notes as well. So, Tom, now that we've covered all of the admin, which I know is everyone's favourite part bit. of the podcast, there's a lot of things that say you should get straight into the content oh, no, of podcasts absolutely in not. order to retain listeners. We are unorthodox. We are. We prefer to try and lose as many listeners as we can in the first few minutes of admin before we talk about anything that people might actually want to listen wait till to. We, wait till we get a sponsor in the first 15 minutes, just us reading out ads for, you know, green drinks you can put into your body that, that you know, <laughs> makes you disease-free or something. Well, I, I won't mention my sponsorship of mushroom coffee next week. <laughs> Mattresses, all all the all the main ones. Everyone's flogging. Right. Okay. Okay. Budget. Jeremy Hunt. 
the Chancellor in the UK setting out the budget on uh, Wednesday, tomorrow at the time of recording. On Monday, he pledged to put Britain on the hard road to recovery. I'm sick of these easy times, Tom. Oh, God, yeah. It's been too easy recently. <laughs> I want to get on the hard road to recovery. I can't wait till, till this easy plane sailing is over and we can get back on the hard road to recovery. <laughs> We've been on the hard road to nowhere, apparently. If that, if that doesn't inspire people, I don't know what will. He's uh, he's dubbed it the back-to-work budget, which is news for us all who are working. Um, and the focus is apparently going to be on getting more people working. So this is this is a huge issue in the UK at the moment. There's about 6.6 million ec- what they call economically inactive people in the UK. Um, about a, a million people are alleged to have retired uh, early, during or after COVID. Um, he's going to try and coax them back into working. Good luck. Um, there's 2.5 million uh, people on long-term sickness, so they're not working. And there's another 1.7 million who aren't working because of childcare costs. Um, apparently he's going to address this, but that is a huge problem in the UK. Um, if you look at like tables of childcare costs were highest in, yeah. you know, in our peer group by yeah. some margin. I, I, I hope these numbers are correct, but if they're not, please write in. Um, but if to put a, 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 a kid in full-time childcare in the UK, seven hours a day, five, uh, seven hours a day, five days a week, it's two, two and a half thousand pounds, depending on where you are. The equivalent in Germany is about 30 euros for the month. Cause yeah. it's, cause it's obviously massive state, uh, back into that. So you end up, um, with more people in the workforce as a consequence. So it's a yeah. huge issue for, for, it's, it's for the a real, economy. It's a real issue. Everyone will recognize those, those things. Everyone will recognize people who've <clears> retired. Everyone will either know someone or know of someone who's retired early since COVID yeah. or has reduced their working or has gone part time or has just basically yeah. partially or completely withdrawn from the workforce. Um, obviously, if you do that, you're very likely to not be paying a lot of tax anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and obviously, just general pr- uh, out- output. You're not yeah. contributing to GDP in the same way that you were. Yeah. And everyone who's either had kids or knows someone who's had kids, and you know, <laughs> I can say I'm firmly in that bucket, will have will have had the conversation at least of who's going to continue working, who's yeah. not, is it worth it? Once you stack in all of the uh, things that come with childcare costs and flexibility and all the rest of it, that you know, often mm. someone will end up opting out of the of the workforce or be forced to op- be forced, forced out of the, yeah, work- yeah. the workforce purely yeah. on an economic they basis. Do, so. they, do, they do the maths, and I have friends who've done the maths where they're like, it's actually not worth going to work versus what we're paying in childcare costs. So it's actually cheaper for us to for one of us to to give up work. It's a huge issue in the country, and obviously relative. It's a relative issue. So you know, in other countries, that decision is is helped in terms of there's yeah. a lot more support for people to get back into. Uh, work or, or continue yeah. to work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, so before we go into some of the things we can expect, I mean, when Hunt um, took control of the of the position, his goal was to, you know, um, to kind of ensure the markets of stability within the UK government again, make the government boring again, you know, fiscal responsibility, reassuring the stock market. And I think it's fair to say that he has achieved that um, versus what was going on with uh, Kwasi Kwarteng and, and, and Liz Truss. Um, and now, we touched on this last week a little bit, the forecasts for the UK economy in 2023 are, are better than expected. So it's either a milder recession or just 0% growth. How exciting. Um, and this is helping you hunt a little bit in the short term in terms of UK government borrowing is not as high as it as it, the OBR had projected. Yeah, it's given them a little bit more wiggle room. A little room. bit more wiggle room, but it doesn't change the long-term picture of the UK. It's like a little bit of short-term relief, but still, still a, a bleak and negative long-term picture for the UK. I mean... Really, there's two there's two goals to this budget, really, isn't there? One is continue to reassure everyone that the economy's in stable yeah. hands and safe hands yeah. 
But the other thing that the, 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 the Conservatives have got on the horizon is if they're going to really contend the next election, they've got to get some positive news going yeah. somewhere. They've got yeah. to get some growth. They've got to try and... They've got to try and get us off 0% growth. No one's going to go flying into an election going, well, I enjoyed that long, hard road to recovery and thank <laughs> thank the Lord that we achieved 0% growth. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, people want to materially feel a difference. They want to see inflation come down. They want to see the costs of, of things that they're spending come down and they want to feel economically better off. And yeah. he's got to try and do something to help that. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what he's going to do um, that will help that. There's probably some surprises, but there's a few things that are, um, that are predicted or are well telegraphed is on, on tax. There's there's no cuts planned um, in this budget. The rumor is that he's going to save all those for autumn 2023, which will help the Conservatives in the build up to a 2024 election. The only one that that, that is well telegraphed that he's going to stick with is corporation tax rises. That's planned to increase to 25. percent There's expected to be no change in that. Which, I mean, you can go into um, questions about how that makes our companies less competitive. Um, but now our companies are outside the EU. We won't go into Brexit on this episode, promise. But outside the EU and our, and our corporation taxes rising, if you look at our, our neighbour, which is Ireland, in the EU, very, very low to no tax rate. That's why other companies are going there. It's really helped the economy get back onto a, a growth path. So there's, there's expected to be no positive news on personal tax or corporation tax. Yeah, well, I mean, one area that is also signalled to, to present some some uh, changes to is is pensions. Yeah. And if, obviously, we're trying to predict this before it's happened. So, once if anything does happen, we'll we'll come back yeah. to it and give a bit more detail. But um, currently, the annual limit of contributions uh, that you can put into your own pension is forty thousand per year. It's rumoured that that will increase to sixty thousand, mm-hmm. and then uh, there's something called the lifetime allowance, which is slightly technical thing it's not the maximum you can put into a pension but it's the it's the limit at which varying on about 13 different trigger events you'll start to to get uh increased taxes i mean it's it's a big bugbear in mind because it's one of those things that as soon as you start to talk about it people go too complicated and yeah, out yeah. and yeah. it's a big off put for pensions but that's rumored to to be potentially rising from just over a million pound to 1.8 million which will massively increase the amount that you could you can save into a pension before these extra penalty taxes come in. Um, but there's also some other things on the negative side. So uh, the currently you can access your pension from age 55. That yep. is scheduled to go up to 57 mm-hmm. by 2028. But it, there's rumours that he could look to put a date on increasing that to 60. Great. Um, and also currently you can take what's called a tax-free allowance out of your pension of 25% mm-hmm. of the value. Um talking about maybe reducing that Ugh. so obviously it's trying to get people to hold on to their pension for longer and not splurge it all on a lamborghini as soon as they hit 55 <laughs> like i know you were intending to Tom, that was but, my plan all along um but you know there's obviously it's sort of some good for you measures but it's also a way of uh it's also uh potentially reduction of that tax-free rate is a way of just taking more tax from people as they withdraw yeah, from their pension i can imagine that retirement age is going to yeah, be a lot longer. I think what will happen is it will it will raise it will raise faster than my age, so I'll never quite hit it. <laughs> I'm in that camp as well. <laughs> um, a lot of other things that that are in there probably not as material as those, but on public sector pay, the lower than expected borrowing that we talked about due to better economic performance means there could be some public sector pay deals that get struck, um, and there could be some announcements. On that, so that could be potentially uh, good news for people working in the public sector. Um, 
Defence spending expected to increase um, by five billion. Um, I think there'll be broad support for that, given what's going on. And then on energy, the support, the energy cap is meant expected to taper. But the weather has helped the UK government massively on that. They've not yeah. spent as much on that. We've had a, rel- a, a mild winter and a warm winter compared to what was planned. Um, so they're still expected to cap um, the energy bills at two thousand five hundred per year per household. But the strain on the government expects to be less just because of the weather. Yeah, yeah. I mean. One other thing is that obviously Labour have been leading out with this like green economic growth plan. It'll be it'll be interesting to see whether mm-hmm. whether uh, Jeremy Hunt sets out anything to sort of try and counter that. Yeah, and if he does, whether it's just headline or whether it's uh, yeah. material. So look, I think it's more than likely that we come back to the budget uh, either next week or the week after, uh, depending on what happens. Um, but we just wanted to yeah. give a quick preview um, and uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, the 15th, midday. Tuning. I remember the last budget you talked about uh, building our first nuclear power plant in a generation. I wonder if that's started. I wonder if we'll hear anything about that. Probably not. Know. We've been threatening for a while that we'd do a little bit more of an in-depth UK episode. If only we had a bit more time to prepare. Yeah. We, might, we might do it at some point. <laughs> Maybe. So, Tom, I know you are amongst <coughs> the many, many, many uh, recently emerging banking uh, liquidity experts <laughs> in the world. Uh, you and many of our friends in the VC industry are overnight experts in the banking sector. Um, so uh, tell us about Silicon Valley Bank. Not perhaps a name that is a household name in the UK, no. but it is an, uh, it is a household name in, yeah, in, in our tech, industry, yeah. in the tech sector, yeah, both in the US and the UK. So I think we should start with just the history of banks and money, oh, and finally, then we'll work our way through finally. Finally. So um, Silicon Valley Bank, uh, founded 40 years ago, and it's, it grew um, up until last week to be the 16th largest bank in the USA. And it was a bank that specifically catered for the financial and banking needs of startups and also venture capital funds, the people that invest in startups. And to get an idea of the scale in those industries, <clears throat> it banked about 50% of the startup sector, maybe a little bit more um, than that in the UK and USA. Um, so it, it was, it's not a household name like a, say a Barclays or a HSBC in the UK, but in our sector, in the tech startup sector and venture sector, it was a, it was a huge name. Um, we're, we're fortunate that we didn't bank with them. We have spoken with them in the past, um, but we, we we didn't bank with them. And COVID was a was a huge boom time for for startups. Um, valuations obviously um, went through the roof, and that meant that startups were getting more and more funding um, in the bank, and therefore depositing more and more money than ever before with Silicon Valley Bank. So, yeah. if you cast um, uh, your mind back. So just before the pandemic, Silicon Valley Bank had about 40 billion in deposits at the bank. And at the time of, of the collapse, they had about 200 billion. So the percentage growth has been huge in the past few years because of that phenomena. <clears throat> and what's happened really is, there's a little bit of detail to it. We, we try and make it not as technical as, as it could be because that's how uh, my mind works. And hopefully yours too. <laughs> for the benefit of both of us For the benefit of the customers, but definitely for the benefit of me. Um, so basic... Banking 101. Um, banks, obviously, taking your deposits and what they do with that with those deposits is they either loan them out to other customers, 
That's what they, that's the kind of the core of what they do. They don't loan all of their amount. Um, they, they loan a fraction of the uh, of those of those deposits out. They earn money on those loans. Um, they pay interest on the deposits, and the difference is what they keep. That's kind of basic banking. More recently, banks have been um, investing some of the, those deposits as well in what were perceived to be kind of long term safe investments to kind of yeah. get a financial return for themselves. Um, and what now seems insane, but really only came to light at the start of it came to light last week. Silicon Valley Bank had been um, not making that many loans really because their customers are also startups. And when startups have a lot of cash, they don't need to have loans either. So they were investing more and more of their money in long-term US government debt and uh, mortgage-backed securities. And so what we've been talking about over the past you know, year, nearly a year now is obviously inflation coming back into the system, which it hadn't been for, for a decade before that. Um, and then central banks having to act to raise interest rates to combat inflation and try and bring spending down. Mm-hmm. And what that's done is increase the interest rates on US government debt and other, other securities. And those securities have an, in, the price has an inverse relationship with interest rates. Yeah. So when rates go up, the value of those securities drops. And so Silicon Valley Bank was holding all these instruments that are just massively devalued. Um, yeah. And that was set against the de- customer deposits. Yeah. And so basically, in a nutshell, what had happened is they'd become a mismatch, effectively. Yeah. The instruments that they had to um, mark to market, i.e. value in the current environment, yeah. had sold off because of inflation and, and interest rates. At the same time, all their customers had began to withdraw money and weren't yeah. replenishing it because startups don't have the money that they once had because of the environment, the yeah. negative economic environment they were in. So this double whammy effect, deposits decreasing, um, the the mark to market on their investments was coming down, and they basically had a complete mismatch and a liquidity crisis, and that's what started it all off yeah. last week. And and the, and the crazy thing was is that they they were holding all these ten year treasuries, ten year loans to U.S. government, yeah, and they were saying that they wanted to hold those to maturity, i.e., yeah. hold them for the full ten years, which yeah. is which is fine because if you do that, you then get your yeah. money back. Yeah. But the trouble is, is they were forced to sell them at yeah. a loss, yeah. in order to facilitate the withdrawals that were yeah. coming in. Yeah. So there's two things is. What on earth made them think that they could hold these things to maturity? Yeah. And the second thing is, is when they were bringing in all these deposits from 40 to 200 billion, had no one done any analysis on the withdrawal rate of those deposits? Had you not gone, well, actually the profile of our customer is that this this cash is not mm. hardcore savings. It's no. not going to stay there for 10 years. It's not going to stay there for five years. In fact, what happens is most VC-backed startups will raise a big amount of money, spend it all, plonk it in a bank account, yeah. and then they will spend that over a period of usually 18 months. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's just a strange thing. And obviously then, so it was this 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 downvaluing of, of those treasuries that they held, but then also the panic that ensued was basically then a classic bank run. And a yeah. bank run is just basically where everyone who holds money in the bank all turns up at the same time Trash to try and withdraw it. Yeah. And obviously what that does is when you're selling assets and you have to realise them quickly and they've been valued down, is you just, you're just compounding yeah. that loss situation. So it wiped out the entire value of the equity of that bank very, very yep. quickly. Um, and obviously... Still an ongoing situation, really. I mean, the US, yeah. US government's come and t- uh, taken control of it in insolvency, um, and the UK branch of SVP, which was, which was, you know, a, a ring fence balance sheet, uh, was sold to HSBC on Monday morning, about six AM on Monday morning. Yeah. Bearing in mind that this really truly started kicking off on Friday afternoon. Yeah. Um, so over the weekend, um, and HSBC picked that up for a pound. Very cheap. Yeah. Good business. 
But yeah, the um, and the, as it stands at the time of recording, the the US government have tried to auction the US bank off to um, to a bigger financial institution in the US, but has failed on the first try, and they're trying again. So there's been no HSBC UK equivalent in yeah. in, in the US yet. What was interesting looking into this that I didn't realise was in 2018 there was a bill put through by Trump with backing of the with Republicans and some of the Democrats which rolled back some of the Obama-Biden 2008 regulations in relation to what any bank, small, medium, and large, had to publish in terms of stress tests of its vulnerabilities right. to interest rates and keeping more capital on hand and monitoring liquidity more closely. What the Trump bill did in 2018 was remove the requirement for banks with assets under $250 billion. Right. So the reason, obviously, uh, Silicon Valley Bank was at $200 billion, so quite near the threshold. So they were, they didn't have to disclose these tests, whereas all the big players do. Yeah. And that's why you've seen, you know, today and, and Friday, a lot of the small and medium-sized, more regional banks in the US start to sell off significantly yeah. in the stock market because there's fears that they've all been doing similar things and they've yeah. not disclosed the information to them. And another bank, Signature, getting less publicity over here, um, has gone under in the US. Um, yeah. They were a, a very crypto-friendly uh, bank, is what, yeah. is what it looks like. And so now there's this, there's this fear in the US that these other small and medium banks um, are at risk of, of a similar thing happening to Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah, and overnight you saw that there was also a sell-off in some in Japanese banks as well. Right. So, you know, these this you know Silicon Valley is not a household name, it's true. It is also the second biggest banking yeah. failure in U.S. history. Um, so second only to Lehman Brothers, which everyone knows what happened yeah. there. And, you know, the fear at the moment is, um, does this, is the, you know, the key word is contagion, yeah. as in does the sickness that has been inherent in, in S, S, uh, v, SVB uh, spread, A, wider within the banking sector, yeah. uh, B, a, wider in the banking sector, B, wider than the US, and C, then does it spill out into other sectors as well? Yeah. Um, and, you know, we still don't know whether that, what, to the extent no. of that yet. I mean, governments have come out, obviously, in the UK, government acted swiftly to try mm. and facilitate this sale to HSBC to, to, to shore up those that, that, that bank division. In the US, the, the, the government have come out and said that they will do whatever it takes to uh, yeah. prop up the banking system. Um, so, you know, they're saying the right things, but... A lot of this stuff can a lot of this stuff can just happen very quickly. Yes, and you know problems can one problem can pop up somewhere and then another problem can pop up somewhere entirely, entirely differently. Different. Yeah, um, and then you know the other thing that drives this is not only the facts and the maths of the situation, yeah. but it's also the emotion and the fear. Yeah, so yeah. you know Silicon Valley was was Silicon Valley Bank was killed by two things. One, it had made some really stupid treasury decisions. Yeah but they were then massively exposed when fear amongst their yeah, customers yeah, yeah. set in. Yeah. So contagion is the key word now. Does this spread to yeah. other places? And are other places? banks going to get runs basically on their assets? You've seen the US as well now. The parent company CEO and CFO are all now being sued. Um, and if you look at it purely from a you know a really basic banking perspective, it was avoidable. They didn't have to do what they did with the money and they yeah. could have been much smarter about it. One of the things that um, is less publicised is that Silicon Valley Bank was seen by some as like the climate bank. Yeah. Um, and this is because it had, part, it had led or participated in 62% of all financing deals for community solar projects and other renewable related projects and startups yeah. um, in the US and beyond. So it's a, 
it's a it's a potential huge gap to be filled there. Obviously, hopefully that will be fulfilled in the UK by HSBC going forward. But it remains to be seen what happens to the the US the US we, business. We all know how HSBC feel about oh, climate. We've been there before, haven't we? <laughs> but I think the thing the thing is is um, yeah, you're right. They had fifteen hundred and fifty firms that they banked or had lent money to in solar, hydrogen, and battery storage. Yep. They're in that critical. This is the thing is the reason why a lot of tech firms mm. and, and venture back firms banked with Silicon Valley Bank is they'd often lend where other banks would Exactly, exactly. So in that critical phase, in early stages yep. of those industries, they were they were literally very active, as you say, 62% of uh, community solar projects, literally billions and billions of mm. dollars to, to uh, firms in the climate yep. renewable energy space. And... The point is, is who comes in and plugs that yeah, gap? Yeah. So yeah. is it whoever acquires the US arm of Silicon Valley Bank, if someone does? Yeah. If not, how quickly can other parts of the industry yeah. step in and plug that gap? Because one is you've got just a straight up cash flow issue for a lot of those yeah. firms now. But B is you've got um you've got, you know, who then comes in and is it fills that gap, particularly in that early yeah. stage of those sectors where you know, they, these companies need support in order to grow yeah. and then to start making a material difference. I've seen a few things online as well recently, which are just bad takes on the situation, which is like, well, why are the tech companies and the startups and the VCs getting getting bailed out by the government? Well, they didn't get, they're not getting bailed out by the government. All that's happened is in the US is the government has guaranteed the deposits for now whilst it sells the bank to somebody else for like a pound or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously happened in HSBC, in HSBC in the UK. So there's been no taxpayer money gone into this situation. But regardless of that, the, the, the VCs and the startups and the people that bank with Silicon Valley Bank didn't, um, haven't spent their money recklessly, haven't invested their money recklessly. They banked with a bank that they thought was safe. Yeah. They had no idea what the bank was doing in the background in terms of risk controls and nor should they. Yeah. You don't tend to think about that when you're um, uh, in, uh, banking with what was in this industry a household name. And so it's not been a bailout of that industry. Plus that industry employs thousands, tens of thousands of people in the US and the UK. And, and it is the future a lot of the economy in terms of yeah. the breakthrough technology that we'll be developing. And so that's not the way to see this. The way to see this is our most innovative industries can continue in the UK and hopefully in the US, and there's been no taxpayer money on the line. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if you're a if you're a, a, a sort of small to mid-sized startup in in the UK or US, and you know you've raised what is it, what is basically a relatively small amount of money in this in the industry is ten million pound. Yeah, how are you meant to manage that? How are you meant to manage the deposits of that cash? You know, in the US, you're insured up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, so. You basically run out of banks before you've spread that money around. Yeah. Um, and in the UK, you know, it's it's FSCS and, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's an implication that the government yeah. will step in. But, you know, basically there's no way that no. you can spread yourself across banks that thinly. No. To, it's to, completely impractical as well. Imagine, imagine having in 30 bank accounts that you've got to be juggling money in and around all the time. It's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. So you can't, you can't, it just, it's it's just a barrier. So it's it's unfair to have expected companies yeah, bank to with behave them to, yeah. to you know, most companies will operate with at least two bank accounts. Yeah. But, yeah. You know. Any more is just an absolute headache. Anyway, there yeah. you go. SVB. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Tom. Thank you for overnight expertise in banking. <sighs> a lot um, of in-depth research went into that. <laughs> right. Well, we'll come back probably with a UK episode. We keep promising it. It's going to be a good one when it, it when, on, it, when it lands. Hope it's not um, a disappointment when it comes out. <laughs> but yeah, check the show notes for the pensions competition and the British Business Bank Awards, um, and we'll see you next week. See you next week, everyone. Bye-bye. Impact Investing from Circa 5000. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk. 
and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast.